where first did, where question. Did you, where did you grow up? Where were you okay. born? Like, how did you, how did you get here? Well, so I've lived in like 30 different places um, all, all over my, all over the U.S. And um, partly that was because initially my um, um, dad was in the Navy and later they got divorced and then my mom just moved wherever she had a job. But uh, so I was born in Staten Island, New York. But I've also lived in Puerto Rico, North Carolina, Pensacola, Florida, Pensacola, Florida, um, Colorado. That's where my dad grew up, Colorado Springs. And um, also Idaho, where I had a cousin. I mean, by live, I meant sometimes it was for a son. But, um, and then mostly California. Oregon and Washington. So I've lived all over the country. And I've probably been to every state. And, oh, and Hawaii. Um, oh, okay. So I, but that one, because I was visiting my dad, who has lived on the naval base there at Pearl Harbor. And um, so anyway, I lived mostly in pretty much in big cities all my life. So I was in California where I lived in like a dozen plus different places, but mostly the, I mean, mostly the East Bay and the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, although I did also live in San Diego, but um, so, I mean, I lived in Alameda, Berkeley, Oakland, Hayward. So, Ended up graduating from Hayward High School. Most places uh, were only one or two years. One of the longest places I lived when I was younger, and even within a city, sometimes we moved to. So I lived in what three or three different places, no, four different places in, in Hayward. And uh, elementary schools were always just one year or two years, and and but I did go all four years to Hayward High School. So I, anyway, so I was um, in Hayward, and I was thinking, so I've lived in all these big cities. You pass by all these people you don't know, or you're walking down the street and somebody throws a dirt clod at you from a passing car, or you're walking down the street, or I was walking down the street, and um, there were three guys who uh, looked at me and said, hey, one of them went. So I ran while they chased me. Um, so all these things that uh, made me wonder, did I want to live in a big city anymore? And plus, in some ways, I'm kind of shy. Um, once I get used to a place, I'm less shy. So I'm kind of less shy here because I'm used to the, the place. Well, I'm, I still am shy in lots of places where I don't know very many people in town. Um, so, so I didn't really get to know very many people in um, all these big cities that I lived. I'm not one who goes to a, a new town and instantly makes friends. Um, so all these places I've lived in, 
you, know, you can't say I've collected a bunch of friends in these new places. But so that was in the 1980s. I was thinking, okay, I want to, want to no longer live in a large town where I don't know anybody. Um, but then it brings up the question: So where do you want to live? Um, it's one thing to say I don't want to be somewhere. Uh, it's another thing to say, well, where do you want to be? And so then that began um, the process of trying to, and that was multi-year plus. I'm sort of a kind of a person who doesn't make decisions easily, and so I'm not somebody who's who decides I'll do this and then does it. It's more like I procrastinate and. And uh, so, so I wasn't sure if I was going to move or not. Um, uh, between deciding where to move, um, then I got there were two things that sort of pushed me. In '92, uh, I developed a tremor in my arm, and uh, it's not a very noticeable tremor. I mean. Um, if I'm standing still for a long time and you're looking at it, when it's on the table, it's not usually noticeable. Or, or um, often if um, I'm in a play, uh, I might put it behind me because it is noticeable when I'm on stage. I'll get to the stage part later. Um, I wore the shirt for that, too. <laughs> I wondered. <laughs> uh, but... Um, well, actually, somebody in California who had heard I'd been in a bunch of plays here, who had never seen me in a play, sent me this. <laughs> so Nice. So it's not anything I, uh, I won. Uh, okay. But uh, just somebody who didn't, who, who heard I was in a play. Okay. Plays. But, uh, um, so... So then I thought, well, I have this tremor. What's going on with this tremor? Turns out I have a cyst in my brain. Uh, it's um, a neurologist calls it a brain lesion. It's also a, a, a cyst. It's not cancerous. Um, it's a CSF, cere cerebral spinal fluid. And um, so it's, it's like right up here, just above the hypothalamus the basal ganglia region of the brain, which is also the motor region of the brain. So it's on the left side of the brain, which affects the right side of my body. So I have a tremor. I also have uh, my toes clench, so it makes it harder to walk. Um, anyway, so I developed this problem in 92, and I thought, ooh, I'm going to die. I don't want to die here in this big city where I hardly know anybody. And so that was one thing that got me to more seriously think about, so where do I want to move? The other thing is, now this is a little bit more strange, is I started having dreams where I'm being chased by a monster. And, um, and at first I wondered what was going on with that, um, being chased. And finally just decided that the monster was me deciding that I need to move. And, okay. and by the way, uh, when I moved here, the chase monster dreams disappeared. So there might have been some psychological thing going on there. So 
So those two things made me really decide, okay, I'm moving. So I, um, I then moved to Salem, Oregon, where my brother lives, thinking maybe a change of pace. But Salem is also a big town, and I didn't really find any um, um, and steady employment there. I worked for a temp agency. But um, I did, it did have a really good library. And so what I did was uh, um, I developed criteria. Uh, I thought, I want to live in a small town where you can pass by people over and over again, familiar faces, so I would get to know them. And so um, I would be less shy because it would be a familiar face, even if I never said anything to them. And, um, and I defined small town as between three and 10,000. That was my own personal definition. And then I thought, well, this small town should have a college in it. And that way it would have both support businesses um, and it would have stuff going on that most small towns don't have. So with those two criteria, I got a demographics book and a college, a list of colleges in the United States and found, um, so I did find, uh, based on those two criteria, 40 small college towns in the United States. And um, then this was in 92, uh, 92, 93, when I was doing the research. And um, I um, sent letters. The internet existed sort of, but not really. Um, so I sent letters and I just addressed them to the, the town uh, and put on the top, no name, just mayor slash chamber of commerce. And even just doing that, not really addressing it to anybody in particular, turned out that that worked because I got responses from 39 towns out of my 40. Uh, so um, so I, I, what I did was I sent a letter saying what I was doing and I explained different things. I said, um, one, that I don't have a, a car. I decided when I was much younger that I would not own a car just because I dis disagreed with our um, um, car-dominated lifestyle in this country uh, and also environmental factors. Uh, um, so I've never owned a car. So I explained, I don't, I, I explained several things in the letter. Um, you know, that I don't have a town, that I'll be walking everywhere, that I need a place, a, a town that has enough businesses so I don't have to travel out of town uh, to shop. And uh, so, um, so I asked for information about, and since I would be moving to this place without a job, I also wanted to know their unemployment rate because uh, I didn't want to arrive here and become the town bum because um, I couldn't find a job. Um, well, and so, um, so I asked them for the unemployment rate. I asked for information about their college. I um, asked for a map so I could get a sense of how big the town was uh, and a list of uh, businesses in the town so I could, you know, know which, what I would, what business I would absolutely need so I wouldn't have to go out of town. And. Um, and then I got responses, like I said, from 39 out of the 40. Uh, the responses varied widely. One city sent me a postcard that said, if you send us $5, we'll send you literature. 
I just tossed them. But uh, <laughs> um, one city, and I'll say the name because she was really nice. She responded first, like within two days. I got like two pounds of material, um, uh, Lindsburg, Kansas, um, and. It, she included a couple of uh, the local paper. She had a list of the businesses. She sent a personal letter. By the way, only six out of the uh, 40 sent uh, personal letters. Um, and Grinnell sent two. Uh, one was from the chamber, and one was from what was then called uh, Grinnell 2000, and is now called Imagine Grinnell. Uh, so they must have, and at that time, Imagine Grinnell I mean, Grinnell 2000 was in the same area as the, the chamber, so they must have just shared my letter with that person. Um, so, so I got two letters from Grinnell. Um, so, um, so they, so in that sense, Grinnell distinguished itself by being only one of six. So I also one of the. Three criteria that I didn't mention earlier was choosing location, general geographic location, and I chose West and Midwest, uh, and I excluded um, the South and the East from my list of small college towns. So um, those 40 were all only from West parts of the country in the Midwest. Um, so there were like six towns I can't remember all of them that were in Iowa. Uh, there were several in Colorado and California and so on. So some of the towns, um, these small college towns, they had unemployment rates. This was back in 92, 93 of like between five and 10%. And I thought, whoa, uh, I'm not moving there because it'd be too hard to find a job. Well, Powasheet County, had the lowest unemployment rate of any of the towns on my list. At that time, it was only one and a half percent, which is about as low as you can get because it's like, that's almost transition uh, of people from, uh, you know, leaving jobs going to another, one and a half percent. So that was another thing that distinguished Grinnell from other towns. And then, um, then there were, um, there's this book, a book called 100 Top Small Towns in America. It really should be called 100 Top Small Towns in the United States because it didn't have any towns from Central or South America. Uh, but uh, anyway, so there was this book um, that, I don't know if it's still in print, but, um, um, and I don't know where, but, out of my 40 towns, Grinnell was the only one in that. It's actually in a book called 100 Top Small Towns in America. Grinnell is in that book. Uh, uh, and they had a, a, a higher uh, population. I think they went up to 30,000. Um, so that even more makes Grinnell special because it was included in a list of towns that were 30,000. Yeah, it was like a home run in like three different categories of what you're talking about. Right. So, okay, so... And there were other little factors. What were the other little factors? Uh, so, I was explaining to some people what I was doing, and one person said, Hey, my brother graduated from Grinnell College. You should check that place out. 
And then another person said, I grew up in Ames, and there's a small college town named Grinnell that you should check. So it's like, there was, so there's all these little pointers that pointed to Grinnell. Oh, and then another factor was, um, so I mentioned college, uh, that sending literature. There were a couple of those small college towns where the, the colleges didn't seem to really want the town people on their campus. They said you had to be escorted or things like that. Well, the Grinnell College literature, so the Grinnell College literature was also ended up being a major factor in the sense that um, they said that uh, we allow and encourage town people to go on our campus. Plus, we have free events that are, you can go to. And that which ended up, that ends up being my main, one of my main forms of entertainment um, in Grinnell. And in fact, since I don't get out of town very much because I don't have a car, I sort of get out of town because there's a different kind of feel and atmosphere on the college campus. So it's like I'm getting out of town. Um, but so that was, again, a factor because Grinnell uh, emphasized that we, you can go on our campus and there's free events to go to. So that was another plus for Grinnell. And so um, I did, again, hesitate about actually moving uh, um, to this place that I'd never been because I didn't visit any of the places um, at all. Uh, I only relied on the information sent to me. And then um, I lived with my sister for a year in uh, Lodi. And then after a year, I finally decided, and I did try to get a job in Lodi, but that didn't work either. Um, and plus, I didn't like the atmosphere of Lodi, but that's a different thing. Um, I finally just got on a, um, I put a lot of my stuff in storage, got on a Greyhound bus, and at that time, the Greyhound stopped at Central Park. Um, just got on a bus, duffel bag, backpack, and um, arrived in Grinnell in, uh, in March of 1994. And, uh, and uh, came to Grinnell in 1994 uh, after a lot of hesitation. And I can say that I had an experience, a good experience immediately stepping off the bus because uh, I had decided looking at the map that, um, there, I mean, there were motels near the interstate three miles away, but there was a closer motel, the Four Winds Motel, um, that was closer to town, so I decided to stay there. So anyway, I got off the bus, and a lady was putting her two children on the bus, and I said, I just arrived, and I'm going to be staying at the Four Winds Motel. Can you orient me? And she said, hey, I live out that way. I'll drive you there. And uh, so I had an immediate experience, good experience as soon as I stepped off the bus coming to Grinnell. And also uh, that day was home show day, which we no longer do here. But uh, um, and so I went to home show and just walked around to get a general sense of the different businesses. And I just said hi and got acquainted very briefly with people. And so home show day um, was a, a really quick way of getting to know some of the businesses in town. Um, and um, of just making my face more familiar so I wouldn't be a, 
a complete and total stranger. Uh, um, and so there, there was, um, so that was a Saturday that I came. And then there was another thing that happened that Saturday, which was I was at the, the, the post office and just mentioned to a lady, you know, I just arrived to know anything about housing, whatever. Uh, I just, she was in line with me. Um, and she said, oh, go see my brother-in-law. Uh, he works there. Uh, Ramsey Weeks, and he manages several uh, 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 housing apartments. Um, and it turned out he did give me my, find me my first house. Which, um, so within a week of being here, I was moved out of the uh, motel and in housing. Uh, I've since moved two, more, three more times, uh, though I did live twenty years in one place. So. It was a good first day of arriving here. Nice. <laughs> so let's talk about um, since then. Like what, you know, what, what did you, how did you get acclimated? What did you do? Like, you know, what kind of employment did you find? Um, that type of stuff. So I mentioned I, um, my, I first stayed in that uh, Four Winds Motel. The... Um, the couple that managed the place, the guy, he, he buys, a, he bought farm gates from what was then called Agri Equipment out on Penrose. They've since changed their name and moved to a different location. But he said, uh, so you're looking for a job. I know that they're hiring. So I went out there and so again, within a week of being here, I had a job at a factory. Now I only ended up staying there six weeks because I was acid washing farm gates and I had these fairly heavy farm gates and I had to do this, wipe them down, and I was starting to get like tendonitis in my wrists and um, they were really starting to bother me. And so I ended up quitting that job and then got the job that I worked at the longest, which was at um, what was then called uh, uh, Winco Windows. Um, and so I was there for 15 years at, at Winco, now called Jedlin. So, um, so basically I worked at a factory um, um, for most of my time uh, in Grinnell. Um, now, as for non-employment activities, um, I mean, my favorite form of recreation, uh, my two favorite forms of recreation are, are reading and walking. And uh, so, and sometimes I combine the two. Some people have noticed that I'll be walking and reading at the same time and they'll comment, how can you do that? Of course, nowadays I could say people walk and read with their cell phones all the time. <laughs> but back then, way back in the late 90s, that still wasn't a thing. So people would wonder, how can you read and walk at the same time? But anyway, so um, those are my two favorite uh, recreational activities to do. However, a small town thing happened. I was sitting at the library, which is what I often did, uh, and one of the librarians came up to me and she mentioned that she uh, was on the board of the Grinnell Community Theater, 
And so this was uh, summertime, and um, she said, can you sing at all? And I said, I have an okay voice. I, I, I don't read music, but I can sing chorus. She said, that's perfect. We need chorus members, male chorus members. We don't have enough males for this musical we're doing. Uh, it's mostly females that are in it. We really need some males, a male, another male singer. So without auditioning, um, I found out that I was in a musical. <laughs> and so uh, it's one of the stranger musicals, uh, Sweeney Todd, which is um, like a dark comedy musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dark is, is a good explanation. So, so um, but because um, um, they ended up using me in six different parts, so I, I got my throat slit, and then I would run off, change my clothes, and come on with the family and get my get a shave, and then I would run off, change clothes, and be, be a policeman chasing somebody across the stage, and then I would run off and be a, a lunatic. Uh, I can't remember what the other parts were, but, um, and there, so that was, I mean, so I had, except in the seventh grade, I was, I was the lead in the seventh grade in the play, and there were two showings, the first showing went well, the second showing I messed up, and um, missed like two pages of lines, and then I was, this is the seventh grade, so, uh, I was followed for the next month by people who told me, you messed up, you missed all these lines. And so imagine a seventh grader. So I wasn't in a play again until I came to Grinnell. Um, and it was only because, now imagine you're sitting in a, a New York or Chicago library. Is some librarian going to come up to you and say, hey, do you want to be in a play? I can't really see that happening. So it's only in a small town way that I ended up being, I, so far um, now, since 94, I've been in over 30 performances. Um, wow. <laughs> including, uh, even though I don't read music, uh, like almost, uh, well, over half a dozen musicals. Uh, and some of the musicals I ended up, like uh, for um, Annie, I ended up playing like nine parts. Um, they were all smaller parts, but they were fun, just because uh, you know you change your clothes. In one scene, and I was an animal control guy. Another scene, I was a judge. And another scene, I was an uh, unknown DJ, but I had a, like a mask over my head. Um, it was fun to play like nine, whatever, something like nine parts. Uh, so many that I can't remember all the parts, but um, so I've been in, like I said, over 30 productions. So that, um, in addition to reading and walking um, plays, would also be a major uh, activity that I've done. And um, I don't know that you need a list of all the plays I've been in. That would be kind of boring, probably, but I mean, you can ask, but. Or I'm not some sure. of your favorites. I know you talk about Annie um, and you talk about Sweeney Todd was your first. Sweeney Todd. And then, well, so Sweeney Todd was the summer I came here in 94. And then that fall, the. Um, so I was still nervous about, because of the seventh grade incident, 
of reading all those lines. Um, I was still nervous about having lines because actually the the, um, the Sweeney Todd, I was just in the chorus and I actually had no spoken lines, um, and that made me happy. And I, I mean, I had parts to sing, but uh, singing is different than saying a line. But Do you have solos or no? No solos. Okay. Chorus. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So you don't have to worry quite as much. So then that fall, um, the um, high school and the community theater did a joint um, Shakespeare production. We did um, Taming of the Shrew. And I got the best part I could actually have. I had one line. Uh, I mean, to me, at that time, it was the best part I could have because I didn't want a bunch of lines because I was still like, feeling my way through the idea of speaking lines that I could forget. Um, in, uh, and so I had the one line, uh, I was the haberdasher, and said, uh, here is the cap your worship did bespeak. Um, but, uh, so you still remember it years later. Like it was only one line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've forgotten almost every line I've ever done in theater. Well, and I've forgotten almost every line also. But it was my first spoken line in a Grinnell production. So um, now, um, since then, I've been in plays where I've had a lot more lines. And as it turns out, in pretty much every production, what I've learned is that Somebody in almost in it, every production forgets or messes up a line. It's like a law. Somebody does. Um, not necessarily me, but sometimes it's me. And sometimes, and the, what they forget or mess up could also forget, uh, make have an effect on the lines I do. Um, so I think the character that I had pretty much the most lines. I was the father in Cheaper by the Dozen, and um, it seemed like I had thousands of lines. And um, uh, one of the Doran bosses, uh, was it Doran boss? Uh oh, um, <laughs> uh, daughter was my daughter in there, and so I was the dad, uh, the father, and um, and I was. Um, this is an example of me forgetting a line noticeably. In most plays, if you don't make a, if you don't say, oh, I forgot a line, or if you don't pause for too long, the audience doesn't know that you've forgotten a line. That's the best thing to know, is that if you forget a line, don't make a show of it. Just stay in character. Um, however, if you're like standing there, and then it becomes noticeable. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> and so, uh, so I was in Cheaper by the Dozen, and I just totally blanked out. And then fortunately, children seem to know everybody's lines. And so um, um, uh, Katie Hammond was behind me, and she whispered my line to me. So she saved me. <laughs> so that was very memorable. Uh, so, so let's talk about like, so you you got to Grinnell. Were you mm -hmm. uncertain at all if this was going to be the place? Um, well, so I had decided right from the start that I wanted to give it a really good shot. Because uh, I, I, 
I had done all this research and I wanted to, you know, so I already knew that I was going to stay a couple of years regardless of whatever happened. But having found a place to live within a week and a job within a week, and then during the summer um, being asked to be at a play, uh, that same year that I was here, it all somehow pointed to Grinnell being the place to stay. Uh, and so, um, like I said, in some ways I'm really shy. So I'm, I've made a lot of acquaintances. I, I'm not somebody who makes really good close friends. So that, I wasn't really concerned that, oh, if I'm not making close friends, I better move because that probably wasn't going to happen anyway. And um, so, I mean, I found a job, found places. People were generally friendly, uh, which I like the idea of walking down the street. Some people would freak some out, but I like the idea of walking down the street and just saying hi, uh, because it's natural here. Without a dirt clod chucked at you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Without somebody going, Ooh. Now, it is true, some um, people that have primarily college students who come from a big city, they're not used to somebody walking by them and saying hi. Uh, they're just not, and so they might stare at you. So I, I do have changed that. I mean, if somebody looks at me, I'll say hi. If they're like not looking at me or looking away, then I don't bother to say hi. And of course, now it's harder to say hi because a whole lot of people have earplugs. And if they're not looking at you and you say hi, well, they may not even know that you just said hi to them. Okay. <laughs> so, so now I usually just say hi to people that you know look at me. Um, whereas before, I would just say hi to most people that pass by. Uh, and uh, so I'm acquainted with a lot of people, probably like 10% of the population. Uh, partly because I've been in over 30 plays and people go to, if people go to plays and if, since I've been in like musicals that had a large cast, especially a lot of children and there's parents and family that go and so there are people that may have seen me multiple times on stage that I may not necessarily know. <laughs> But they'll say hi, Crosby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'll be saying, "Oh, hi," because <laughs> uh, I may not necessarily know them. So I don't know that it makes me a celebrity, celebrity. But well, there isn't. I was mentioning different activities that I do. There's another one major, major, major activity, uh, a form of whether you call it involvement or recreation, whatever. I go to the college a lot. Uh, I go there for plays, concerts, sports, um, art gallery. In fact, I got involved with two art shows, even though I don't consider myself a visual artist, but people have continued to point out to me that I am an artist because I'm a performing artist, because I've been in over 30 plays, but I don't, I'm, I don't even draw good stick figures. Okay. Um, so, but I have been involved with two um, art shows at the at the college. Uh, they were one was about work, and I made a book that explained, you know, my feelings about the job I was in, and uh, I also helped with a, 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 a 
um, art show that isn't obvious. I mean, I help fold cardboard for uh, um, a show that involved containers, uh, you know, those big containers that um, have stuff in them. Right. <laughs> I think there's like sh shipping crates or shipping something. Containers. Yeah. Well, yeah. giant, those big, giant, huge ones that go across the ocean. So they had scaled down versions, cardboard versions of them as part of an art, art show. Um, shipping X, maybe, was the name of it. Um, might have been called SpaceX. Nah, Shipping X. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I've been in, and I was also in a play at the college. So I performed in uh, um, the uh, Flanagan Theater uh, as, as in a performance there, and um, and then I I was briefly in a radio show uh, doing voices for uh, uh, kind of like a a private eye detective series that a student invented. Uh, so I would just do different voices uh, for a radio show that he did. And, um, but like I said, I go to um, a lot of different activities at the college and have participated in some activities. I really like going to the, uh, uh, like the Rosenfield Symposiums. Uh, so in some ways, I don't just go there for entertainment. I also, I can't say I go there for classes, but I go there for lectures because that's what the Rosenfield Symposium, they bring in people from around the country, sometimes around the world. Um, and some of them have been very memorable, like one, they had people from Ireland, and this was back when they were still having a major Ireland, you know, the, the Unionists and the oh, yeah. Sinn Féin. And, so they had representatives from both sides. They had, Somebody from Sinn Féin, who um, is the political, um, I, some say they're just the political arm of the IRA, Irish Republican Army. Sinn Féin, I think they say they have nothing to do with them. But anyway, then the Ulster Unionists, so they had people. And so they gave talks individually about you know their opinions. And then they were supposed to have a panel discussion but the Ulster Unionist people refused to sit at the same, same table as the Sinn Féin people. So there ended up not being a panel discussion. But you got a first-hand view of how they feel about each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, so that was very interesting. It's definitely, it was definitely memorable. Okay. Um, so um, that's a major form of um, activity that I do. Is, and, and plus, I don't have, um, I, 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 I don't, there's a lot of things that I'm not normal about. For example, not having a car, but I also don't have a cell phone or any kind of mobile device. I don't have home connection for a computer. So I go to uh, either Burling Library or Drake Library to look at the computer. Uh, and that does several things. It means that I'm not always accessible, which is good. Uh, I mean, it's bad in some ways. If somebody wants to say, hey, you want to do this, they have to give me a warning. Um, um, but it's good in the sense that 
I'm not always accessible. I like the idea of not always being immediately available and accessible. I can definitely understand the appeal of that. Like, sometimes being on the, the other side of things, like when your cell phone dies, it's kind of like a vacation. Right, Because you're right. like, oh, you couldn't get a hold of me? Oh, darn. Oh, well. Um, so, it does mean, though, like, if there's last minute cancellation of something, like at the college, if maybe the weather canceled the sport event or something else, it means I'll go there and find out, oh, this isn't happening because I don't have computer access, which would be the obvious way to know that uh, something was canceled. Right. <laughs> so that occasionally causes some difficulties uh, not having uh, access to a computer. So I guess we can move to the next big question. Uh, what is it like? So if you were to feel that you've made like a huge impact on the community, or if you made any impact on the community, it doesn't have to be a huge. Well, what kind of impact do you feel you've made? I don't know that I've made any kind of specific, like, political or activist impact. However, there. It is true that I can walk down a sidewalk and there'll be like several people who will pass me by and say, hi Crosby. So there's a lot of people that know me. Uh, and, and that would be for several reasons. One is the obvious one that I've been in, like I explained earlier, that I've been in over 30 performances. And so you see somebody sort of like a celebrity who'll be walking down the street in LA or New York or whatever and all these people will come up to them. Nobody, fortunately, comes up to me and says, hey, can I have your autograph? Yeah. They just walk <laughs> by me and say, I crossed you. Uh, so they, people know me. Um, so it depends on your definition of impact. I mean, people know me. Um, and um, then I also walk everywhere. So somebody who walks everywhere is different from somebody who drives everywhere. And so people notice somebody who's walking. So there are people that have noticed me more just because I walk everywhere. Okay, what is it that you love about Cornell? What I like... Um, well, what I, I do like is uh, partly that um, a bunch of small town things happened that I already explained, which is like sitting at the library and having a librarian come up to you and saying, would you like to be in a musical? Uh, so I, I, I like the small town things like that. I, and I like um, being able to walk pretty much everywhere. And I've walked at midnight coming from, say, an event at the, uh, usually a, a student event that I was either invited or allowed to attend one or the other. Um, and it would be like after midnight. And uh, not for me personally. Now I don't, I know some students have not had this problem, do not have this experience. They have a problem, I guess. But I've never had any problem with anybody trying to attack me uh, at night, unlike where I came from, um, where at night there were, I, I mean, well, you'll probably edit this out. Uh, uh, I mean, I was walking in where I, in one city, I 
was living in at night and uh, this car uh, zooms up to me two big guys come out they come approach me and I'm like uh, and then they look at me and they say oh it's not him and then they walk back uh, but I mean <laughs> still they were getting ready to beat yeah. me up yeah or something and then I was walking another time uh, and this is not anything I've ever had to worry about in Grinnell, which is that uh, um, I was walking and I, I heard uh, shots being fired. And um, I read the next day uh, in the city that I used to live in that there was a drive-by shooting uh, like two blocks from where I was walking. And I've never had to worry about that in Grinnell. So I haven't worried, had to worry about uh, safety issues, for example, in Grinnell, unlike in other cities where I've been, where I've been chased, uh, where I had a knife to my throat, where I um, um, had somebody punch me. And these are people that I didn't know who did this for no reason I could see. It wasn't like I had some animosity uh, brewing between them. It was like these random strangers who ran up and punched me. I've never had that happen in Grinnell. Um, uh, it could happen, I suppose. Uh, um, but uh, not to me, anyway, and so I feel safe walking around. So that's one thing I like about it. Um, and I like that uh, there's a lot of parks um, of different types in Grinnell. And uh, one of my more favorite parks is Arbor Lake, where there's like a little mini forest that actually looks like a real forest, because it has all these, um, it, it doesn't just look like a, I mean, it's old enough that it looks like a old growth forest in some ways. I mean, it has anthills and has has um, um, giant spider webs that go off with hundreds of spiders or whatever. At least that was several years ago. I don't know about right now. But uh, so, I mean, of course, that's a, sort of a strange thing to like is a, a forest with giant spider web. But uh, <laughs> just just. An example of, there, just in this small town, there's actually a kind of a little mini forest and a nice lake to walk around. And, and um, so there's lots of parks um, here. Uh, and there's just a lot of, for a small town, there's a lot of activity. And partly that's because of the college. There's lots of things to go to at the college. But also, um, and partly because of the college also, but there's um, more community activities that happen, and partly that would be because of like of things like Imagine Grinnell, which tries to do uh, a variety of different um, activities, whether they're trying to build a, a, a bike path that goes to, our, to uh, Rock Creek Lake or a giant, uh, I think they eventually wanted to, to go past um, out toward the freeway and then down to Crum and mm. then around to a giant circle that goes right past Rock Creek. So uh, imagine Brunel also uh, coordinates or has initiated the uh, giving gardens. And so what I like also is that in addition to the giving gardens, there's uh, this is coordinated by uh, um, Partly with uh, the college, there's a food recovery network. I don't know if you know about that. Uh, 
Um, so the Food Recovery Network, um, they also do it when it's, college is not in session, but they'll get uh, just expired food from, say, a local grocery store. And then when college is in session, they'll get food that hasn't been, uh, the bins safe at the dining hall were never, bins of food were never opened. And so they'll bring them to Food Recovery Network. So I can, um, I currently, I'm, I'm what you, I haven't decided if I'm currently unemployed or pre-retired. I'm currently not re working. I'm going through my savings. And so I have like an $800 a month budget, which is, I don't think you could do on either coast. Uh, uh, so I can sort I can live on $800 a month here only because my rent is relatively small and because I can get my uh, quite a bit of my food from either Food Recovery Network or the Giving Gardens. Uh, and so I can, I have no problem with food um, because of extra programs like that in Grinnell. So I like that. I have no problem living nicely. Also, I get a wide variety of food from food recovery and the expired food that I might not ever try uh, otherwise, right? <laughs> um, okay. So I like those aspects, all the different little programs that maybe aren't highlighted or people might not know about as well or um, um, that um, are in this small town that people from out of town might not know about. Um, so there's a lot of different little things that um, this small college town has that most small towns don't have. So that's, that's nice also. Um,